Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and today you are listening to episode 100 of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. That's right, episode 100. I started this podcast about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, not really knowing where it was going or how long I could keep it going. And in that time, I've interviewed so many amazing people and have published 100 episodes as of today. And speaking of all those amazing people, I will do a recap in my next episode is what I'm planning on a recap of some of the best episodes and lessons learned throughout the journey. Today, I wanted to share with you an interview that I just did. And speaking of all those amazing people I interviewed, one of my favorite interviews was episode 34 with Vincent Pugliese. One of the reasons I love that interview, not only because Vincent has such a great story that resonates with so many people, he's been on many, many, many other podcasts. You may have heard him before on another podcast talk about his story. But that interview I did with him, which happened back in April of 2017, right before I launched the podcast, it was really the start of just an amazing friendship that Vincent and I have had since then. You know, shortly after that interview, I joined his mastermind group and uh, he became a, a mentor of mine and we've become great friends. I went to his retreat in Pittsburgh in June and we've hung out a few times at, at different places, different conferences, and uh, we've gotten our families together. It's just been great. And so I, you know, when thinking about who do I want to have on for episode 100, uh, of course, he was at the top of my list and he was uh, willing and able to make it. And so uh, I got him on today for this interview. And instead of doing a standard interview where we went through, you know, the whole story and, and how things went, he's already shared that back again on episode 34. So if you're not familiar with Vincent, I recommend you go back and listen to that episode. Uh, but you don't have to because, you know, he gives a synopsis here today. And, and what you're going to hear in this interview is a little bit of Vincent's story, kind of a abridged version, if you will. And then we talk a lot about the importance of investing in yourself and how to connect with others, about giving without expectations, about helping, about the types of people that you might want to help and the person you want to be if you want to seek help from others. We talk about why you need to know your worth. And if you're becoming an entrepreneur, you are an entrepreneur, you're selling something, and you're getting quite busy, you may need to raise your prices and how to get past the limiting belief to do that. And we talk about the importance of relationships, which Vincent and I have both spoken on at different events uh, because they've been so important to us and we've gotten so far because of those. So that is what you're going to hear today. I'm excited for you and uh, I will not delay any further. So without further ado, here is episode 100 of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat with my good friend, Vincent Pugliese. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, where I talk to entrepreneurs and business people from all walks of life and all levels of success, from millionaires to the people who are just starting out and everyone in between. My objective is not only to learn about their businesses and goals, but about their challenges and fears as well, all with the hopes of helping them and you find a pathway to success. Vincent. What's up, man? How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. So good to have you back on the podcast. Uh, of course, longtime listeners might know or remember that you were episode 34 of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat, which was uh, we recorded 
well over a year ago. It's like May or April of 2017 when we did that, right around the time I launched it. And uh, that was a, a great episode. It's still in our top 10 most downloaded and not too far from the top. So uh, I highly encourage people to go back and listen to that one uh, to hear more about Vincent's story, as well as check out his book, which is called Freelance to Freedom. I've read it twice and I love it. But for those that have not read the book or maybe heard of that episode before, maybe you can give a quick background on who you are and what you do. Yeah, it's funny because people ask me, like, what do you do? And I, I generally say, it depends on the day. And it really kind of does. And at this phase of our life, and, and I'll just really quick, we were newspaper photographers making you know, $30,000 a year struggling in debt. And my dad said something that changed my life when, when I found out that we were having a baby. We were a month away from having our first child, who's now 13, crazy enough, Andrew. And I got a 3% raise after winning like the biggest award that I possibly could win at my job, International Sports Photographer of the Year. That a dollar get you a bag of chips. It yep. meant nothing. It, I got a 3% raise and I came back to my dad to work with him while I had this full-time job and he lived in a different state. And he basically said to me, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. So much more to it, but it changed my life because it made me realize I was so undervaluing what I did for security. And I was settling for $32,000 a year because I got health insurance and I got benefits, but it controlled my schedule. It controlled my time and we had no margin, but I had the skill like most of us do in some way that I undervalued. And he said to me, he goes, you could do corporate work. You could do weddings, headshots. You could do pro sports freelance and make so much more money than being on. And it just, I never thought about doing a business. And so many people I talk to now, it intimidates them. So my job became, after we did that, became financially free, paid off all of our debt, went on our own. We've now been self-employed for over 10 years completely, you know, to then teach that to other people. Because I see that fear in their eyes of like, I could never do that. I'm a good employee, but I couldn't do a business. And they're stunned when they realize they have so much more skills and they're so much more valuable in the open market than they realize. And they've been taught. So that's kind of, it's the lessons behind that and, and the steps to do that. It's a great point. I mean, so many people feel like they have some skills. Maybe they can do something, but they don't realize that they could go off and do something on their own or do something completely differently from what they're doing now. And, and you guys, I mean, you totally did that. You made that shift. And I know it was difficult to make that move from being award-winning sports photographer, which was kind of like the dream, but didn't really mm -hmm. pay that much to becoming a wedding photographer, which my wife is a journalist, so I know what that community is a little bit like. And it's almost like selling out, right? It was very much felt like selling out. And, yeah. and we, were, we were told that, like, oh, you're going to go do that. And I cared more about feeding my family and not being stressed out. I cared more about that than I cared about not selling out to a community that, that wasn't paying me. And that was, it's almost like this keep everybody down type of thing. Like, you can't leave us to go make money and have time freedom. And I'm like, what am I, what am I worried about here? Who am, I, who am I disappointing? And the thing that really did it for me was we did a couple of weddings. And I honestly, I quite remember clearly saying to Elizabeth, this can pay for diapers and formula. Mm -hmm. That was literally what, why we started the business. Not realizing two years later, it would be six figures for the next decade. With diapers and formula was the key because if this can pay for diapers and formula, she can leave her job, which was also at the newspaper and be home with Andrew. I'll work full time and I'll kind of sludge through it 
I was cool with that. I accepted that. And then I realized there were photographers when I started researching that made more in a day than we made in a month. And then I started being like, what, what am I doing? Like what I can go shoot two weddings a month and then shoot journalism for free and I'll be better off for the rest of the month. Yeah. It was just this crazy, like shoot all the stories I want without even getting paid. I was so underselling myself. We both were, and our entire community was. And then I realized not only was it photographers, but it was the creative side. And it's not even like doing something completely different. I was doing the same work. I was still telling stories with my camera and my vision. I was just being appreciated for it. It was the only difference. Yeah. And I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about your story. And when I was thinking about this interview coming up is that at that time, it, it kind of seemed like selling out to go from journalism, especially sports photography, to shooting weddings, which would pay a lot more money. But at the same time, like I can see only so many photos of Tom Brady winning a football game, right? And they're almost at the same time, at some point, it's a lot. It's not making that much of a difference. But photographs of my wedding or, you know, for anybody's wedding, that's something those family will cherish for a lifetime. So you're still doing something really significant and probably more significant. It's just different than what most of those people are used to. It's such a great point because I, I was stunned in the second year how much more impactful it felt because it really was a thing just to make money to start. I'll be dead honest. It, yeah. We got to make some money. That's the quickest way to do it. And then you have people crying. Like I never had anybody crying over my newspaper pictures. I hate to say it. They would get mad at me sometimes, right? Why would you do that? You know, because it's journalism is very touchy. You have to go into situations that other people don't want you there. I went from a situation where I wasn't invited and people would be mad at me when I'd show up for work half the time, like to a crime scene, a situation where people are hugging and crying and giving you tips. Yeah. Like I never got a tip when I worked for a newspaper. We got a tip for $1,200 one day for a wedding and I didn't want to accept it. And it was really interesting. Um, her name was Penny and her daughter was Lori and we did, their, we did their sister's wedding and she gave me an envelope after she met our son because we became friends. And when I was driving home, I pulled the envelope out and I was like, I knew it was probably a tip, but I pull us $1,200 in cash and I call her up and I say, I can't accept this. And she said, you of all people should know what it's like to make other people feel good. He goes, mm. she's allowed me to do that for you. So she was willing to part with $1,200 because of the memories we made for her family. Yeah. Now, that's really hard to argue with in terms of a legacy. Like that, those pictures are going to go on in that family. And I never anticipated that when we started. Yeah. Oh, that's so amazing. And I'm kind of laughing in my mind, thinking about the, the other side, you know, you're in Pittsburgh. So imagine you're in an NFL game and you're shooting photos of like Ben Roethlisberger, the, the Steelers quarterback. And after the game, he's like, Oh, Vincent, thank you so much for this photo you took of me. I want to give you a, here's a tip of an extra $10,000. Cause you took this great photo. I mean, he, he probably doesn't care. There's a volume part of it too. Everybody's shooting their pictures. Everybody's kind of kissing their butt. I have friends and, and it's happened to me too, but I remember one of the Steelers wide receivers, a very famous star, like took the picture off of his website, put it on his Instagram feed or whatever, you know, didn't give any credit. And I remember my friends like, it'd be nice if he just credited me for it. It would help me out a lot. He mm -hmm. stole the picture, right? He took it. He didn't pay for it because there's so much that people want to do there. Like there's so much more readily available, those pictures. And now there's people with cameras, there's people with phones, right? But they value our work and they're willing to pay for it. And it wasn't that different of a skill. It was almost, it was all the things that we had learned. And that's what I learned with other people is if you're in a job and you're getting paid, say $100,000, right? To do this thing, you're probably worth about $300,000 in the open market. Right. Because there's no point in them hiring you for 100,000 if you're only bringing 100,000 worth of value. 
you have to be bringing in a lot more for them to hire you. So we undersell ourselves. And this was the journey that I've been on in terms of learning this and really overcoming the limiting beliefs that I had thought about what I was worth. Because when your boss tells you you're worth 32 grand, you believe it. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to get to what you're doing now and how you're helping people. Uh, one more thing I want to actually piggyback off of that point about limiting beliefs. And you and I have talked a lot and you know that this being episode 100 of this show, my Congratulations. next- Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And uh, awesome to have you here for uh, episode 100. And I've been thinking a lot about the next iteration. And part of that will be talking to people more about getting past fear and getting uncomfortable to grow and be successful because I'm finding that's been true for me that most of the success I find has been when I was able to step outside of my comfort zone or do something I was afraid to do, like starting this podcast. And for you at that time, there was a little bit of a stigma, right, of moving from journalism to shooting weddings and starting this business. And it was way outside of your comfort zone because it's something you hadn't done before. You hadn't run a business. You hadn't shot these weddings. And, but you just said to me, you know, hey, I had to take care of my family. This was the best right thing for me. How did you figure that out and get past that? Because I think a lot of people would probably look at that, even though, even if they did the analysis and said, yeah, weddings would pay a lot more, but all my friends would look down on me and I just can't get past what they would think of me. So I'm going to stay in this job. So how did you get past that to achieve the success you did? Well, very much like you, like you said, you were, you did the personality profile. They say you're a maverick, right? Like I am very much that way. I've I, I would like to say that I don't care what people think. Of course I do. But when it comes to action, I don't. I'm going to do what I have to do. And I wasn't really worried about them. Those people weren't sending me money. You know, the people that were judging or questioning me weren't saying, you shouldn't do that. Here's $5,000 to get through. <laughs> right. Right. They were saying that. And, and they probably didn't want to do it. They also knew that they could do it and they didn't want to. And if I didn't succeed, it meant they were right. Well, yeah, and they're gonna and they're gonna criticize you too because they're afraid that you might achieve success, which shows them that they're not doing the right thing or you're doing something they're too afraid to do. That's absolutely right. And I've always, since I was four years old, liked trying to prove people wrong. You know, I said trying because I don't always do it, but it was it was type of thing where it's like I like when people doubt me. That gives me fire. That gives me incentive to. I don't want to show that I can't. So I'm going to try even harder to do that. I think that's easier for me than when everybody's just kissing my butt. I like the challenge of somebody not believing that I can do it. And I think that's, I don't know if that's individual. I don't know if everybody should have that. I've really gone from being very selfish to trying my best to be as generous as I can. Trying my best. Because I know that when I'm selfish and I'm self-involved like I was for so much of my life, right? It was all about me. It was all about how am I going to get work? How am I going to get this? And I'm taught by mentors and I mean, I have people in my life like you and I have mentors like Seth Godin, who's like, the message is always to be more generous. And I love that, but it doesn't make sense to people that are struggling. Cause like, how can I be generous when I've got nothing? And it right. might be that you've got nothing because you're not generous. And that's what I had to realize. Like when I'm always thinking about myself or looking out for number one, right? Or something like that. Nobody wants to help people like that. That was a hard lesson to learn. Nobody wants to help you if you're complaining about other people and you're saying how you can't do it. You need it for yourself. I got to look out for myself. Who wants to voluntarily help people like that? I mean, I can say it out loud, but a lot of people won't. Not many people do. But if you go out of your way to help somebody, you promote other people's work, you are happy for other people's success, they can't help but 
like that. They can't help us. Like this guy goes out of his way to help what I'm doing with no expectation. And when I was really struggling, that was a hard thing to do because I don't have time to do that. But that's why people stay down, I believe, in my opinion. Yeah, so true. And I remember you, I was lucky enough to be at a conference where you gave a keynote speech a few weeks ago and you talked about the importance of giving without expectations. And that's something that I've learned from you um, that I've been trying to get better at over the last year and a half since we've really gotten to know each other. I mean, really, which all started, by the way, with that first interview we did, episode 34. I remember when I interviewed you and then we ended up talking for another hour or so. And, and next thing I knew, I joined your mastermind group. And Okay, we'll give you much more credit that you didn't join it, you helped start it. Because what's okay. funny, if anybody listens to that episode, and I'm not sure when we talked about it, but at some point a mastermind had come up and I had told Andy, I told you that, yeah, I'm going to be starting a mastermind with the book coming out. And when we got off the call, we talked, you were like, hey man, I want to be a part of that. And now you were the first one. And it literally, everything we're doing right now is a catalyst that really started at that moment. There was a lot of work before that, but that really, you gave me the, huh, okay. In the last 18 months or whatever it is, my life is completely different than even what it was two years ago. Thank you for that. And let, let's talk about that because I'm looking back at my spreadsheet and I interviewed you on April 21st, 2017, and we're now in October. So it actually has been 18 months, 18 months. since we first talked. And uh, it seems like longer than that because we've been such good friends since then, you know, talking nearly every day and uh, including joining that mastermind group. At that time, you had just finished writing this book. It wasn't published yet. The book is called Freelance to Freedom, as I mentioned earlier. And you were running, you were doing a little bit of coaching, which I think you started doing from with other photographers and DJs and stuff that you were meeting at weddings. And you got mm -hmm. involved in this dad's group that you and I were both really involved in, the dad's yep. edge, uh, Larry Hagner's group. And yep. we're doing some coaching there, running a mastermind group. And you hadn't started anything on your own yet. And it's funny as I'm saying this, how much has changed since that time, because your book finally was published in January of this year, 2018, and you started a group and you've started some mastermind groups. Like you said, I joined the first one, helped get that first one started. So talk a little bit more about what you've done since then and what you're working on now. Yeah, you bet. Actually, I want to go back even a little bit before that, which is going okay. to be funny because you and I met initially, I was helping Larry out doing masterminds for that edge. And we did a call together, if you remember. Larry and I were on the call together and he had me on as a guest yeah. answering financial questions. And you were on that call and right. you were asking questions. And then you messaged me. I remember walking back to that hotel room and you were like, it was nice connecting with you. Like, I don't really agree with all that you said, but I really thought it was a great conversation. And I'm like, <laughs> I like this guy because nobody says that. Everybody's like, yeah, it was great. Or if they don't like it, they go, you know, almost like the Midwest, like Minnesota nice. Like, yeah, that's interesting. You were honest and you were like, yeah, I didn't agree with everything. I'm like, that's cool. I mean, that might've been a month before the interview. That might've been. So you, you, were, you were bold from the beginning and I loved that because it stood out. And then I was kind of like, I don't know who this guy is, but I kind of like that. He challenged it. And I'm always curious about what I'm doing that people don't, because you're not going to agree with everything I say. And right. I'm cool with that. And it never should be that way. Yeah. I think when you get that way, your ego is really taken over where you're going you're gonna to hit a fall. But yes, yeah, so that happened. So you mentioned that, you know, Ken Carfagno, our, our good friend, we had been masterminding for four years together, just one-on-one. -on -one. There was such value to it. I remember him saying to me, like, he talks to his other friends. And when we talk every week, like our week is like a month to everybody else. That's how fast everything started moving in terms of ideas and implementation and all these type of things. 
yeah, when everything started, there was not an idea of what I would do with it. I just was getting interest from the book and people wanting to start businesses and people wanting to get financially free to the point where I was like, all right, you know, another fear-based thing that I'm going to try to overcome. Let's start this thing. Cause I don't know anything about building a platform. I don't know anything about this, but we're going to start small and we're going to start slow, but we're going to keep progressing to the point now that we have total life freedom is the name of the platform. If you want to call it that, and there's multiple masterminds, there's a membership site within it. We've built the business of photography Academy, which is a similar format, but based towards photographers looking to build businesses. Cause what we noticed is the majority of photographers are good at the photo side, but they're terrible at the business side. And I don't want to teach photography. I don't want to teach F-stops, but I want to teach photographers how to control their business so that they make more money, they have more time freedom, and they get to live the life that they want. So in a span of two years, we went from 90 plus percent of our income being from photography to this year where we don't even have a paid photo shoot because all this stuff is taken off. And that's not about me, but that's a testament to things can change that quickly in this world if you have a focus and you stick to it. Well, it's, it's amazing. And it's a testament to you being really intentional with what you wanted to develop, surrounding yourself with, with great people and having those conversations. I mean, I know you've always been in the mastermind and have been having constant conversations with others and being intentional about what you want to develop, giving a lot to others and people recognizing that and, and wanting to be a part of something and looking for those opportunities. And I know that you, you know, we talked a little bit about fear and discomfort a few of those leaps you had to make were probably not comfortable to say, you know, it's one thing to run a mastermind under someone else's brand yep. to say, I'm going to start my own mastermind. I'm going to start my own group. Let's see if anybody shows up. Yeah. It's frightening, but you, you get to the point. This is what I remember a couple of months ago in our group, we had a, you know, get rejected theme for the month, yep. which is to go out and get rejected and be like, right. wow, that's frightening. But that's, we're all, of the success comes from. That's where the fun comes from. And when you realize, oh my God, the world didn't end. Even if they told me no, even if they ignored me, the world didn't end. And we start again tomorrow and like, oh, I don't feel as nervous about doing it anymore to where you get to the point where you almost look forward to it. And you get excited by getting rejected because when you get too many yeses in a row, that's when you know, maybe my, maybe I need to up my game. Maybe my prices need to come up. Like I do this with photographers and they go, I'm totally booked solid, but I don't have as much money. Well, that means your prices need to come up. And it's like that with anything. So, but like, oh, but my clients won't, you don't get it. Like they, if they value the work, they will pay for it. If they don't, you get to figure it out. But it's type of thing where you have to embrace the rejection. You have to embrace the fear, you know, starve your fears. Like you say, the people that don't do the work, stay in the same spot. They challenge themselves very rarely and very slowly. And then they get resentful. And then they quit. That's the difference between the two levels of people that are growing, in, in my opinion, is the ability to go get rejected, face your fear and go after it. Yeah. And I, I spent most of my life being so afraid of rejection. I don't know where that came from, but I recognized it as I got into this real personal development journey over the last couple of years and reaching out to people and doing different things. And I don't worry about it nearly as much, but I mean, I, I tell people as an example, like I don't, I don't think I even hardly talked to a girl until I got to college. You know, I was just too, I was terrified. And, you know, I don't worry about that stuff anymore. Of course, I've been happily married for nearly 15 years now. So I don't have to worry about that part of things. But, you know, even just going to get podcast interviews, sales meetings, whatever it is, like we have to put ourselves out there. And I love the rejection challenge idea because it actually, it made it kind of fun. It's like, well, there's this thing that's probably out of reach and they'll probably say no, but 
instead of being afraid of the no, now I'm actually excited about the no because it's like I'm winning, I'm getting points in this rejection challenge. So let me go and ask and try. And you never know, sometimes people say yes. It's really interesting. Like in, in my career, I got to photograph and meet some really cool people. You know, we've photographed Muhammad Ali's birthday party. I think every year that Tom Brady's won a Super Bowl, I've been shooting one of their playoff games or, super, or the Super Bowl. All these cool things. But we got to photograph John Mellencamp when we were in Indiana. And it was really cool to kind of meet him. And you know, I grew up listening to his music, but he's got a song. I can't remember the name of the song. And he says, you know, I'm not handsome, but I'm not shy. And I remember even at 20 years old being like, man, I wish I thought that way when I was 15, like you're talking about with girls. Like I might not be the, the head football player, right? Or the best looking guy at all, but I wish I was less shy. Because being shy means you're thinking about yourself. It's kind of almost selfish. Like you're thinking about, you're making other people feel uncomfortable because you don't want to participate in it. And I wish I wasn't so shy. I, I met the people that were bolder and they had more impact. They tried more. They got rejected quicker. They actually got more things happening in their life. And I finally came to a point where like, I just don't care anymore. Who am I going to disappoint? And I had nothing to lose anyway. I mean, I graduated. I learned on the day before high school that I was graduating. Like, who am I going to disappoint? Nobody's expecting anything out of me anymore. When, when the expectations were so low, it was easy. And it was kind of like with our job, when you talk about like people leaving their jobs and being afraid to do that. I was making $32,000 a year. I didn't have a lot to lose by starting a business right? And maybe it not working. The problem I see are the people that are making 125 and they hate their job and they hate their commute and they're miserable, but I can't make that money in my side business. But if, if they had the salary that we did, they'd be like, heck yeah, I can do this. I can at least get started. But that 125 barrier makes them think I can't even get started. And then they quit. And then they wind up the people I used to work with that are 65. And they're like, I spent my whole time working for money. And I wound up spending it on a car and I got nothing to show for it except resentment in this job I didn't like. Yeah. And we know a lot of people like that. And I, I've, you've opened my eyes to that sort of stuff. And I've, I've seen those things too. And you're really good at digging in with people to show them what, you know, what they need to live on and, and how they could form a path to get to that financial freedom or total life freedom, whatever it is they're trying to, to get to. And you also talked about photographers, but really for any person in business, especially on an artistic side of things, like a photographer that might be booked up, but not really making the money they need and maybe needing to raise prices. And something you're really good at here is, is looking at that. And, and you talk about this a lot, this idea that you might be one of the best photographers. You look around and someone that's not as good as you is making more money than you. Talk about that because that plays to the business side of things, which is what you're helping photographers with. I had that conversation with almost everybody as a catalyst for it when they question themselves, they question the market. It's not the market. There are people in really crappy markets that make more money than passive people in big cities because they figured this part out. Like for all of us, there is somebody that is not as good as we are charging more than, than we are. In my case too. Why is that? It's only because of the way that I value myself. That's it. Because if somebody else that isn't as good can make more, what's my excuse? There is no excuse except for what I'm doing to myself in some way. And when you realize just about all this comes back to mindset, not talent. Now, talent helps or skill helps because if you could be really good on this and be really good with your work, you're unstoppable. You're absolutely unstoppable. If you're a photographer, and we were very fortunate because we had 10 years in the trenches working for a newspaper, making no money, but getting better at our craft. 
I knew when we had to start this business, I didn't need to study photography any longer. Now I need to keep getting better, but I don't need to dive into it the way I need to dive into business. So we started diving into Dan Miller's books and Dave Ramsey and Seth Godin and all these people, Ken Blanchard, all these people that knew what I didn't know. That's why I continue to invest in myself. I've been in masterminds with Aaron Walker. I've been in masterminds with Dan Miller. Now I'm in a mastermind with John Lee Dumas. I want to learn from the people that have done what I want to do. And there's so much about like, oh, I can't spend that money. It is imperative for me to spend that money. My wife now, who at first, you know, the first mastermind we joined was $350. Like, oh, you know, and then so much that came out of it. A book deal came out of it. An online course connection that made us more money in a week than I made in an entire year. That came out of it. All these, you're, you're leveling up to different people. So I will always have that as part of our budget. That's the one thing we didn't do while we were so intent on paying off debt was investing in ourselves. So when people tell me they don't have this much, whether it's for me or for somebody else, I can tell they're only going to go really slowly because they're not getting around people that are going to push them and challenge them. And that's what I consider my job. To, I mean, I've done that with you. Like ask the really tough questions that you're not really happy to hear at the moment, but so, cause you have the potential to do it, but we need these pushes as do I. And I think we hold ourselves back from that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have gone all in. I was already going down a, a strong personal development path when I met you and following you and getting involved and joining your mastermind group and being around other people who have been investing a lot in themselves have, has definitely convinced me. And I'm constantly investing in myself now and looking for new ways to do that, whether it's books or conferences or mastermind groups or coaching. And I'm just finding that all of that is paying off. And I have so many great guests on this show also who, who talk a lot about how much they invested in themselves and how that pays off a lot. This episode of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. At Advantage, we offer creative learning solutions that can help accelerate leadership development, business acumen, sales performance, and business results. Our clients say we're imaginative, collaborative, insightful, and fun. For more info, visit AdvantagePerformance.com or call us at 415-925-6832. And now back to the show. When you do those things, you learn a lot. But one of the big things you mentioned there is relationships. Where you meet, end up meeting other people and you met someone you mentioned through one of the masterminds you joined that, that led to an online course that made you, you know, more money in a, in a week than you made in a month or a year. And... I want to talk a little bit about the, the power of relationships because the other thing I'm thinking of as we were talking about photographers is that, you know, there are a lot of photographers out there, really great photographers out there who work for newspapers who are making $35,000, dollars $45,000 a year, like you talked about, like you used to. And we both know a photographer, you know, who's in our mastermind group who makes $250,000 a year as a photographer, probably not even as good as some of those, doing headshots. Because he has really great relationships. And he'll tell you, he's not the best photographer in the world. That's not his goal. The problem with the breed that I came from was photography was the goal. And that's fine. That's great. But Gustavo, who we're talking about, Gustavo Fernandez, give him a plug. And Kyle Schultz is the one who I did the course with, who has Schultz Photo School, which is, he teaches parents how to take better pictures of their kids. Phenomenal business. I got to partner with him because of a mastermind that I was in, because we both invested in it. And the thing is, to backtrack a little bit, the point with it that I learned the hard way later was I wouldn't be around these people if I didn't do that because they're all investing in themselves. This is not me going to the local bar where everybody's complaining. This right. is people that are like, 
I'm going to spend money on myself. It's kind of like going to a really elite college. You can go to community college, fine. The education is going to be good. But when you go to Yale, you go there for the connections. You don't go there. I, I didn't go to Yale. So please, if you went, tell me I'm wrong. But I believe that when you go there, you go there for the connections. You go there for 10 years from now when you're looking for a job, that there's a Yale connection that nobody else is going to have, not the schooling that you go to. And the standards too of that group, right? You rise to the level yeah. of your group around you. And most people at Yale are thinking, I'm going to be an investment banker, whatever it is, and make six figures. And at the community college, they're like, I'm just going to try to get a degree and see if I can get a job somewhere. Yeah, I might want to just have to get by. I mean, and a lot of the people I hung around with 15 years ago, but there weren't ambitions to run multiple businesses while having time freedom with my family. Everybody laugh at that. The people I hang around with now don't laugh at that. They're like, yeah, okay. What do you need to do to get there? How can we push you to get there? That's the difference. But so I was backtracking. I know you were going in terms of relationships. So relationships are the key. To us, it is the key to everything we've ever have, what we have in our life, our friendships, and helping others out. It is not about SEO to us. It's not about social media. It is about real, honest, genuine relationships that you can get in the weeds with and help other people and they can help you when you need it. Yeah. And you never know what's going to come from those. I mean, I've I always talk about this and say, I mean, every job opportunity I've gotten, every business opportunity, the business I'm in now, the podcast that we're doing that I started came back to relationships, people challenging me, people helping me, people making connections, saying, hey, you might be interested in this. And I wouldn't have had any of those things if it wasn't for those relationships. And as I invest in more stuff, I invest in you know, the mastermind group and meet more great connections through that. And these conferences that you and I go to, we meet more interesting people. And uh, it just seems to continue to snowball and get bigger and better as we go out and meet more people because you never know who you're going to meet and who's going to have that next big opportunity for you. And going back to Gustavo, who you mentioned, people want to do business with people they know and they like and they trust. And, you know, if they're hiring a photographer for an event, they probably could go out and search, right? And say like, okay, let me see if I can find the very best Mm -hmm. photographer somehow through some Google search or rankings or whatever. Or they could go back to the photographer that they know who did a pretty good job last year, who sent them a gift, you know, every year. And they really like working with this guy. So let me bring him back in for this big contract. And that's what seems to be happening with him. And it it happens from referrals. And I'll go back to the Mellencamp interview, which was funny because you wouldn't think John Mellencamp would have so many of these, these clips. But I remember listening to him talk about it. And he was saying, when they hire a guitar player, like, how do you become a guitar player for John Mellencamp? It's got to be a tough gig to get, right? And he, he confirmed it. He was like, there's a million people who could play the songs. I'm like, okay. Now, if I'm a guitar player, I'm thinking, what next? And he says, it's about the hang. I'm going to be with you for 22 hours a day off stage. I got to like being around you. I know you could play the chords. I know you could play this, but you need to be able to fit in. It's the hang. They're hanging up backstage. If you're a prima donna, if you're a rock star and you could play it just a little bit better, they don't want it. They want somebody that's going to blend in with that group. That's going to be, as we say, the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And they want somebody that they know, like, and trust to be that guitar player, not the guy that can shred and do it just uniquely by themselves. They want somebody that they can hang out with. Yeah. And that reminds me of the, of the, the company I worked for before I left to go independent. We had a great culture and that was a big deal when we interviewed someone. They could be smart as hell, but if they didn't fit into the culture... And since we were all traveling consultants, the line was like, well, who do you want to be stuck in the airport with when you got that six hour layover? This person may be smart as hell, but if they're not fun to hang out with then I don't know if we want them in our company. And, and it's the same thing when you're making these connections and joining these groups, like who are the people that you want to be around and are they making you better? And are you making them better? 
so many people will join and, and I'll do this even in my group because I've met everybody. Well, they'll be like, I need to get this. I need to get this. I need to get this out of it. And I'll say, well, what are you going to contribute? And they'll be like, well, okay. They'll, they'll pause and like, well, I'm paying you. I'm like, yeah, you're paying me to be part of a great group. You're paying me to be part of a generous group. If we have a hundred people in here and everybody is just out for themselves and not looking to help the other people, it's not going to be a great group. And they go, oh, okay. Because they're coming into it for a reason of what they want to get. But if you come into it just wanting what you need without helping other people, you might get that initially, but you will fade quickly because you're not generous helping other people. And the most successful people, and this is true, and this might not be popular in the media, the most successful people are the most generous people. I've 46 years on the earth, I've figured that part out. <laughs> yeah, I like that. At least the most successful people that we like. So yeah, know, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Depends on the measure of success. There are some tyrants out there that have made a lot of money, but there absolutely are. And there's anomalies to it because the business world gets a bad rap. But when I see it, generally the people that are doing, I would say just a good percentage, not all of it, but the ones that are the tyrants, the ones that are going to make the news, the real generous ones aren't because it's not newsworthy. It's not as sexy. Well, speaking of, you know, joining a group and, and elevating and helping those around us and being helped, let's talk for a few minutes about what you're doing now because you've got the, the Total Life Freedom Group that you mentioned, which I'm a mm -hmm. part of. Um, you've got the Business of Photography now, which you started earlier this year. And I believe you're working on a, a free course for that as well. So what's Vincent working on now? It's a fun time. Like, you know, given that, that keynote last month really kind of got my fires going in terms of speaking again and doing that. Now that we, you know, we homeschool our three boys. I wanted to do speaking a couple of years ago, but I'm like, I'm not going to travel. That's one thing that wasn't freedom to us is me being gone a lot from our family. But if we can go together and I can do that. So speaking is really starting to ramp up. And what I'm loving is we did, and you were there at the one day mastermind in Tampa, what I'm most excited about. Now we've got, and I see it clearly. We had TLF, Total Life Freedom. We got Business of Photography Academy speaking and then doing these one day masterminds, which were transformational hopefully to the people that come when we've seen it, where you spend a full day together, 10 people, and you just dive into solving problems. My thing going forward is doing that once a month in a different city around the country and making it kind of like a tour and just 10 people at a time and really getting into it. So those four things will be the four things going forward for the next year or so for me to grow. I love that. And I've been a part of the, the first retreat you did and the one day mastermind in Tampa a while back. And it was definitely hugely impactful. I mean, we really dug in on, on one guy, Greg, who was there, who was thinking about you know, leaving his job to, to make this transition that we talk about a lot and showed him how he had everything he needed right there. And I hope he's going to follow through on the stuff that we oh, he just messaged me and they're on their way. And, th and that was the perfect example we're talking about in the beginning because he had a set number. This is what a lot of people will deal with. I need this much money to quit my job. Right. And then you saw, we all dug in and, it, and you saw his face when he realized you know, you do the fruit, which is I teach in terms of your, your food, your utilities, your residential, your insurance, and your taxes. You put those together. How much do you really need to live? And it really sets you apart because when you think it's 80 grand and it's really 50, the idea when you're making three grand a month in your side business, man, I only need another thousand dollars a month to do this. And then I can start making that transition. And I've been doing this in the mornings and the evenings. What would it be like right. if you could do that the entire day? You'll triple your business quickly if you could put that effort into it. And I, I just remember his face sitting there like, this can't be right. Yeah. And you start getting used to it where it's like you start getting used to seeing that face, which <laughs> yeah. is pretty cool. I love that. 
Yeah, that was really cool. And I, I don't remember all the numbers, but we, we dug right in and he thought he needed $75,000, $80,000. And we showed him how he really only needed about forty, And he already saved, I think, half of that. He had a pretty good runway. He was yep. making more than half of what he needed already from his side business. And like you said, that was working early mornings and the evenings. And you know, if he just went full time with it, there's you know, no reason why he wouldn't double it and make the money he needed. So I was ready for him to quit his job. That's, that's a personal decision. I can't make him do that. Exactly. Uh, but it definitely shortened the timeline because he was thinking, I think he was thinking April you know, 2019, so six, seven months out. And we showed him how it really could and should be done by the end of the year. So he, he could do it now, but he has a plan of January 1st for a variety of different reasons, which is phenomenal. And like, I'm not there to have somebody quit their job and then be stressed out and scared. Ramsey talked about get the boat close to the dock. And we did that. We paid off all of our debt. We paid off our house. And then our business was making more money than our job was making. So stepping off the dock was simple. When we quit our job, the first three months after that were the most relaxed three months we had had in a decade. You know, we had gotten rid of our debt and we had, even if we didn't get rid of our house payment, it would have been fine. We had built the business first while doing that. And that's the hardest part, doing that while you're working. So when people realize if you could just do this now, it gets easier and easier. There's always more challenges. It's not that it's simple, but I think people don't realize this is the hardest part right now. It's like the airplane taking off. That's where all the energy is used. When the airplane goes up in the air, you can glide it. And the most beautiful thing about that, that it's difficult when you don't see people get it is once that airplane's in the air, you could then say, okay, what's the next airplane? Let's get that thing ramping. So you fire multiple airplanes in the air. Now you've got multiple streams of income with no debt, right? And you have an emergency fund. It gets very interesting and fun at that point when one of your businesses can completely tank and it doesn't even affect your business, right? And I just think people get so hung up in the fear of it that they never even get the chance to launch that first airplane. Yeah, I totally agree. It's really cool. And you've opened my eyes to a lot of those things. Um, Vincent, we have to start wrapping things up here. For anybody listening who is kind of in that position that we've talked about where They've got a job that is paying the bills. They're not really that happy. They're not that fulfilled. They'd like to do something else. They've been thinking about doing something else or figuring out a way to make more money, finding a way to pursue their passion. And maybe they're just a little bit afraid to make that move. What's one last piece of advice you would give to those people? I would challenge them to do their fruit. I would challenge them to figure out, and this is still playing defense. I want to take them from playing defense to playing offense. Because when you start playing offense, it really gets fun. But to start with, how much are your expenses but your real expenses? How much are your, your food, your utilities, your residence, your insurance, your taxes? How much are those things? Add them up. Not all the other stuff, not ballet recitals, you know, no. anything that you need to live off of to begin with. Now, I believe in investing in yourself, right? I believe in certain things, but you figure out what that is and figure out what you really need to survive. Because that's the argument you're going to have with yourself. No, we can't do it on less than this. And when you realize you can, that's the first barrier of like, I need to make $30,000 less than I think. Mm -hmm. That will initially just take the pressure off. And then you can go build this business the way that you really want to build it without desperation. And you could do it slower because like, I only need to get to this point. So that's the first thing because that gives you clarity because like with Greg, he was stressed out because he made up a number, an artificial number. And that artificial number set him back from really putting the momentum into it. So start with that is the first thing I would do. Totally. And for anybody listening who wants more information on that and wants to really see that broken down, um, Vincent breaks that down in his book, Freelance to Freedom. Again, I've read that book twice. I highly recommend it. 
I think I left the first review on Amazon. You did, you did. <laughs> so I highly recommend that. So go check that out. And uh, beyond that book, Vincent, for anybody listening that uh, wants to find out more about what you're doing, maybe check out the group, get in touch with you. What's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, simple. Um, Total Life Freedom is the website. All the information's on there. My email is on there. If you have a question, you can email me directly. And we have a pretty cool free Facebook group. It's called Freelance to Freedom Tribe. Andy is in it. He's a big part of it. And um, if you want to hang out with us there, that'd be awesome. So those are pretty much the, the two ways. All right. Total Life Freedom and the Freelance to Freedom Tribe. We'll put links to both of those in the show notes. Vincent, thank you so much for coming on and being my guest for episode 100 of the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. I am grateful for you and for our friendship and for this interview today. So thank you. You're the best buddy and, and congratulations. 100 is nothing to take lightly. That is a huge accomplishment. Most podcasters quit at eight, I think I heard. Yep. You're at 100. You've done incredible stuff, incredible interviews. And I'm just, I'm really proud of you and really excited for where you're going. Awesome, man. And we are just warming up. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Hot Seat. You can find more information at entrepreneurhotseat.com or my personal website, andystorch.com. Please don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you have any questions or comments, or if you are looking for ways to take your life and business to the next level, you can send me an email to andy at andystorch.com. Take care.